Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. The next 10 minutes are inspired by something I did at 18 and a classic book. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. I have a good friend named Brad. Brad lives in Michigan, actually, very close to uh, Detroit. Detroit. His, uh, his wife is from Detroit. Met him in Hawaii, and Brad's a great guy. Brad and I actually were very, very good friends in high school, and he was a couple years older than I was. He went to Santa Barbara, but when he would come back for the summers, we would hang out. We'd hang out all the time whenever he was back for holidays or, or things like that. He's, he's great. He was one of my groomsmen. Um, I was in his wedding. He's a good man. And the summer going into my freshman year in college, I was 18. I think Brad was 20. And we, again, we're just messing around in concrete. Didn't have anything to do because he was in between, I think, his sophomore and junior year. And again, I was going into freshman year. So I was working out a bunch. But besides that, I was pretty much just hanging out. Didn't really have, didn't have a ton going on. So what we did is we decided that once a week, I am not advocating for this course of action. But once a week, what we did is we got a beer, a different kind of beer. And we we're not drinking crazy, but we'd get like a craft beer. This was kind of like the birth of the craft beer movement. So we were like, okay, well, let's try, you know, cranberry ales or, or whatever. Um, and drank responsibly. We'd be at my house. And, you know, what we would do is we'd get this beer, we'd barbecue, and then we'd watch a movie, right? Whatever the movie was, it didn't really matter, right? But we'd, we'd get like you know, trashy Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park, or there's a, there's this really funny kind of horror slasher series called Army of Darkness. And we just, again, barbecue chicken, go to the Safeway, get chicken and, you know, get, get a couple beers and watch a movie. That was, that was like our summer thing. It was great. And some of the movies we watched were just trash. <laughs> I remember we were watching The Lost World, okay, which is the second the second Michael Crichton um, book in the Jurassic Park series. Now, Jurassic Park was a tremendous film. That was actually in theaters for well over a year. And it was a great experience. I loved seeing it. I saw it twice in theaters. I, I loved that, that book and I loved the movie. But The Lost World was kind of Michael Crichton's you know, grasp at, at keeping the series going. And it was an okay book, but it was not a great not a great movie. They couldn't get the whole cast back, of course, because you, you really have a hard time doing it. They got Jeff Goldblum back, and he was cool, and they got a couple other characters back. But there was one scene where they were in this, they were in this like camper thing because they, they have to go rescue these people from these dinosaurs. No surprise there. It's Jurassic Park. So they have to go rescue these people from these dinosaurs, and they have to take these like tricked-out kind of like campers to, to go around this island. It's real rough terrain and everything. And they have to save this T-Rex. Okay, so this T-Rex, this baby T-Rex gets its leg broken. So they're like, well, we can't just leave it here. It's going to die, even though it's a dinosaur. Just leave the dinosaur, right? So they take it back to the camper and they're, they're like scanning the bone, trying to do this like ultrasound or x-ray and then put this cast on it. And then they realize the mama T-Rex is outside the camper because she heard the baby crying, right? So they very carefully take the t spoiler alert, they take the baby T-Rex out of the camper, put it on the ground. The T-Rexes, you know, go off into the jungle and there's this moment of, moment of relief. You're like, oh my God, we survived because the T-Rex was like looking in the camper, just ready to kill all of them. Well, of course, the T-Rexes don't take it lightly, and they come back and push this camper off of the cliff. Now, our main characters that we're in love with, they're in the camper, 
Okay, so they're getting pushed off of this cliff, screaming and yelling, freaking out. And there's this like rope that's tied to, you know, some tree. And the bottom line is the camper gets flung off the cliff. But our our main characters that we're in love with are in the middle of the camper holding onto this rope. So the camper kind of goes all around them like a sleeve, right? Like if you were if you were holding on, uh, if your arm was in like a large pipe hanging straight down and you let the pipe go, the pipe goes around and your arm just, you know, doesn't get touched by either side. So they're hanging there and they got to like climb up. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. So I remember watching that scene and Brad starts laughing and he's like, I, ha- I can't watch anymore. If I watch, I, I told myself if this is how they survived, I was not going to watch anymore. And we both start laughing about it, you know, take another bite of chicken and, you know, drink some cranberry ale or whatever we're drinking, laugh and we keep watching the movie. And I've been thinking about that recently because we both knew the movie was trash, you know, and it was enjoyable enough, but it was really kind of just not a great compelling, you know, inspiring film. And I've been thinking about that because I've been trying to find films to watch with my wife recently. You know, we come to the end of our days and we're just smoked from the kids. And we just finished up the uh, Schitt's Creek series, which I couldn't recommend highly enough. So we finished that up and that's all well and fine, but then we don't have anything to watch. So it's, you know, movies. I'm thinking, let's just watch a movie. Let's not commit to a series. But we can't find any movies. Right, and by we can't find any movies, I don't mean that there aren't movies. It's not like there are movies we can't watch. There are tons and tons of movies, but we can't find any movies that are really valuable. And for some reason, I started thinking about Interview with a Vampire recently, a, f- a fantastic film. Uh, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and, and some other notable actors. And again, a very, very good film, in my opinion, if you, uh, you want to check it out. Again, Interview with a Vampire. But I didn't read the book until later in my life. Now, again, the, the film is, is Hollywood-esque, right? And it's beautiful cinematography and, and, and a beautiful storyline. But the book was incredible because there's this character's struggle to understand where vampires come from. He's a vampire and he wants to know where vampires came from. And of course, vampires don't die. They're immortal unless they get exposed to sunlight. And he like works his way all through the world and then finds kind of like the oldest vampire den in the world. And happens to be, I think it's in like France or something. But he's wandering around Europe and he finds this like super old wise vampire that of course looks like the day he became a vampire. He looks like he's, you know, 35 or something, even though he's, he's really old. And he asks him, he's like, look, how old are you? He's like, well, I'm 400 years old. And he said, okay, but we live forever. Why are you only 400 years old? Why are you the oldest vampire? And what's amazing in the book is it goes on to explain that even though your body becomes this vampire, and of course this is fictitious, but the point was very well taken, which is, look, even though you become this vampire and you got to drink blood and, you know, you have all these superpowers because you're a vampire, your mind still stays that of a human. And the problem is the human mind is not elastic enough to be able to handle the changing of the world. And I thought about this and I was like, God, what a brilliant point. And it goes on to say that as the world changes for human beings, 
when you're still human, you know, you get to be old, you're 70, you're 80, and you're, you're bemoaning, oh, this is not the way the world used to be. They don't make them like they used to, right? The cranky old guy. And then finally, you get to the point, especially with technology now, where people just don't understand how things work. I mean, look, I'm not even 40 yet, and I can tell you that the, the students I work with understand nuances of the world and technology and the way the world communicates and functions well, way better than I do. And I may never catch up, right? I may never understand it. I could be 40, uh, before 40, you know, and, and never, never have a grasp on, on the changing of the age. And that's what, that was the point of the book, that human beings just cannot adapt and I started thinking about my, my movie struggles. And it really used to be that I didn't care what I watched, right? We watched The Lost World. We watched slasher films. We watched, we watched whatever. It didn't really matter. But now, I don't understand the culture of movies. I'm realizing I don't, I don't understand it. And more importantly, I don't want to take risks to try to understand it. I don't want to dive deeply into the Avengers saga, for instance, even though I know they're amazing films. I don't want to dive deeply into different, different genres that I don't totally get. I find myself retreating back into just classic kind of sci-fi alien movies. I like those. And you know, occasionally I'll branch out because my wife doesn't really like sci-fi and we'll watch, watch something else. But I find myself retracting into the safety of what I know. And I was thinking a lot about Interview with a Vampire and how they end up just dying because they cannot handle the shifting of the world because they've kind of retreated into the most comfortable and most well-known behaviors and aspects of culture and that culture's dead and it moves on the world moves on and there's nothing you can do about it and i really i really stopped and thought about that because i realized even though it's a small thing if i allow myself to start very consciously retreating into only only the things that i know and only spending time on the things that i understand this is the beginning of the end for me. I won't ever re recover. There's no way I can get back into the swing of the world. So last night, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what the movie was, but I just turned it on. It was some Netflix original. I'm halfway through it. It's about some English explorer. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be 45 or 50 or 55 or 60 and, and just be complaining about how awesome it used to be. I think there's a degree of inevitability with that. I think there's always going to be an, an air of nostalgia when I think back on how simple life was before we had cell phones, which I grew up in. But I also want to function in the world. I want to be valuable to those around me. I want to be valuable to my kids and my kids' kids. I want to be relevant with my students and the only way I'm going to do that is by willingly putting myself in uncomfortable and unknown situations and as lame as that sounds it's like look it's not that big of a deal watch a movie you don't understand yeah I get that 
it's not a huge risk. But what it is to me is a willingness to keep pushing forward. Because that's the only way I'm going to have anything good to give anyone else. I'm Matt Todd, and this is the engine that drives me. Go out and crush it.